Welcome to the Heroes of Reality podcast, a podcast dedicated to uncovering and discovering the stories, lessons, and insights to help you be the hero of your own story. This podcast is brought to you by Reality Smash, a transformational studio that empowers purpose-driven entrepreneurs with disruptive technologies like ChatGPT and virtual reality to generate more revenue and create greater impact. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. What up, what up, what up? Are you interested in improving yourself? What about making it easier or better to help the people in the lives that you care about the most? Well, on today's podcast, I have Brian Ford. He is the founder of the podcast Self-Improvement Daily, which has earned over 16 million downloads to date. He's also the co-founder for Purpose, a social impact agency building movements that help people plug into making a difference. So without any delay, I'd like to welcome Brian. Hey. What up, Dylan? <laughs> I love I love the intro. It makes me feel special. <laughs> <laughs> you are special, man. You are special. Thanks, I think, you too. Yeah, dude. Like, here's the thing, man. I have massive respect for people that try to improve themselves and then try to improve the lives of people around them, right? That's all the whole heroic philosophy thing is, right? Is you try to be better so that you can do more, right? So yeah. I'm excited to have you on. Yeah, thanks, brother. Let's jam. Yeah. And as a as a fellow podcaster, I'd like to first kick things off. We talk about this whole self-improvement daily podcast. Can you give us a little bit of background that kind of led you up to the journey that is your podcast? Sure. Yeah. I mean, the the journey that led me to the podcast was more of a personal journey that was my discovery of self of sorts. Mm. Um, you know, so I was a former student athlete, uh, captain, uh, grew up in an affluent neighborhood and just kind of had a really uh, easy and uh, successful childhood, you know, and it kind of built an identity within me that, you know, I was a stud, I was always going to excel. And it, that persisted through college where, you know, I won student athlete of the year for my school and I had, you know, honors, honor roll, dean's list kind of accolades academically. And, you know, I was kind of on the fast track and everyone kind of saw me as that kind of guy. And then life hit and I left college and I went into the workforce and I started failing. And I started being worse than people around me. And I started not being good enough for, or at least meeting the expectations I set for myself. And that was really starting to threaten the identity that I'd cultivated for so many years of, hey, Brian, you're the stud, you're this guy, These, you're, you're on the fast track, you're getting it done. And then I was interfacing with a, a reality, which was not quite that in the moment, which is, hey man, like you're human and your talent's only gonna take you so far and you gotta figure your stuff out. So that's really kind of where I found, you know, a, an identity crisis of sorts, or I should say kind of an identity conflict of my own related to who is Brian? You know, is he this guy that is on the fast track and the star athlete and the, you know, the great student and, you know, going to do big things with his life. And I had some social impact background at that time too. It's like, man, this guy's making a difference. He's doing big things. Or am I the guy that's struggling to close a sale? Because, you know, I was in a role that I hadn't prepared for and, you know, was underqualified for, to be honest. Right. So like I had this identity crisis and I figured, well, if I'm going to try and build myself back up, who do I want to build myself to be? Like if I am at the bottom and rediscovering or redefining who I am, well, let me create the best, most heroic version of myself. And that's where I leaned into self-improvement, personal development and figuring out who are the people that are sitting in the chair that I want to be in, who have it figured out, who I, who I respect, who I admire, who I'm inspired by and start reading their books, listen to their podcasts and figuring it out for myself. And uh, at that point, I was encouraged to start making content and building a personal brand and Honestly, it started on LinkedIn where I was just sharing my woes as a young professional. And I built an audience on LinkedIn as just kind of being vulnerable. Like, hey, these are the things I'm thinking about. These are the things I'm learning. And uh, <laughs> it's cringy to look back at it now because like I had no idea what I was talking about. But that's kind of the point too, is to be able to document some of those things. 
Um, and then the content on LinkedIn led me to, you know, uh, start a podcast. And I was like, well, if I'm going to start a podcast right at that point, actually you'll like this at that point, it was actually, I wanted to learn the audio marketing space, you know, talk about mm -hmm. Amazon Alexa and stuff where it's voice first marketing, uh, Gary mm -hmm. Vaynerchuk, you know, was really bullish. I'm like, oh, this is the future. Like you got to get in on this. And I was like, all right, if I'm going to learn something, maybe I learn audio marketing. And I was like, well, the best way to do that, you know, especially as an Amazon Alexa flash briefing is a daily show. So like, cool, I'll make daily audio content. I like self-improvement. Let's call it self-improvement daily. And that is when my podcast was born just as an experiment and accountability for my own self-growth. Um, and then it, yeah, it's grown from there. I love the, well, you have this journey, right? So you, if you look at the hero's journey, you, you left some village, some place you would be familiar with, right? Which was your childlike life, right? Got into the quote unquote real world and you realize, oh, okay, who do I want to be if I'm going to remake myself? And there's kind of this identity crisis that we have when we shift, when we live one community and we bring into another one, which is, you know, from high school or wherever to workforce. And what I like about this is you took this path of saying, how do I sign up for something that that improves me in a certain way, but I can also, it has multiple benefits, which I, I think Tim Ferriss calls this like the key domino, right? You do, you do one type of activity, but it has multiple benefiting effects, right? So you're being accountable for sharing online. You're learning and growing at the same time. You're developing your voice. And I, and I think that's great. Uh, could you talk to me just a little bit about when did you start it? How far are you? How far are you along on that journey so far with the self improvement daily? Yeah, so I started it in 2018. It's actually funny. The day that I started it was the day that I met my fiance. So it's just like a weird, like divine day of my life. Um, but that was in April of 2018, and wow. uh, it really started as me uploading my first two minute episode. That was a reflection. I think it was on why you should change your laptop password to a, a, an affirmation. It's like, oh, because then you're priming yourself with that thing. And I had no idea what manifestation even was. The law of attraction was at that point. I was like, oh, I read this. I'm going to share it, you know? Um, but yeah, and that's kind of where it started. And it's in the, the format of the podcast. It's two to three minutes every single day. And it's been that way for almost five years. I mean, for like five years. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, in, in the grows of all that. I never expected to grow an audience. Um, I was just really sharing for that experiment of learning the audio marketing space. And then, you know, six months, nine months into it, I looked up and I was like, oh, are people listening to this? I checked downloads for the first time. And I had thousands of people listening. It's like, really? Wait, who are these people? How do you find it? This is cool. And then it's gone from there. That's, that's awesome, man, because you're on the journey. And it's sometimes it's not checking it's really important when you first get started because then people they want that initial feedback there's this thing that happens i don't know if you've noticed this like you get some sort of idea some sort of identity some sort of way you want to be right and instead of putting in the hard work you go and tell somebody about it which then gives you validation which then kind of removes the desire and the need to make that thing happen right so mm -hmm. You do that. You're like, oh, I got this amazing business idea, or I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. And then you, you, isn't this cool? Seeking validation, and it removes that desire. It kind of pulls. Have, have you seen that happen in your in your life? And or, or, because I'd be, because I'm, I'm really curious about if you've done the self improvement daily. There's moments like I've had in my podcast that are mind blowing. I go, oh my god, that's so insightful, and I, I just I integrate that into my life of who I am. Sure. So can you talk just a little bit about both those things? Yeah, no, and I think there's a third thing to touch on too, but you know, mm -hmm. to directly answer what you're saying, the first point, you know, the first piece of advice that I give when someone's starting a podcast, because you know, you have a podcast, people are going to ask you, how'd you do it? And yeah. what should I do? Right. And the first thing I say is do not, you don't put any expectations on people listening to it. Like you need to 
earn their respect. Um, especially when you think of the way that people invest in listening to podcasts, it's not like a social media account where you can just kind of scroll and move through. Like people are going to invest 30 minutes with you if they're like really going to, to like want to learn from you. Right. And there's a, a high bar to that. So you have to prove it. You have to be consistent over, you know, a number of different weeks, months, whatever it might be. It just, it's a different animal. Right. So, so yes, I've found that there are a lot of people, you know, kind of the retention or the churn of podcasters, mm -hmm are just, you know, it, it's unfortunate because a lot of people don't get the result that they expected, but they didn't give themselves the time for that, you know, result to mature and for the podcast itself to mature in terms of the message. But what you're mentioning, which I think mm -hmm. is a really interesting parallel to kind of just another concept that I've been fascinated about is it's called the clarity paradox that Greg McEwen uh, has shared. And I don't think it was any of his books, but um, mm -hmm. it's something that he shared, which is basically kind of what does clarity do in business and how does it actually become the thorn that cuts you at the end too? So it's, you know, the, the mission is to get clear, right? So the first step is you have some clarity and when you get clear, then you start getting results, right? So the more clear you are, the better results you get. But then once you start attracting results, then new opportunities start flooding your way, which then prevents you from staying as clear and prevents you from getting the results moving forward. So what happens is your clarity actually serves as the cycle of then being interrupted or distracted by new opportunities that come which then it, 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 it steers you away from being able to succeed and remain clear because it has this kind of almost like feedback loop or this opportunity loop that, um, that just really starts to bias and muddy the waters of your clarity, which is the direct result or sorry, the direct input of your success. So anyway, they like the clarity paradox is, is it, fascinating. What's interesting about that is you look at that in terms of like the hero's journey format, right? There's two pieces of it. One, I'd call that a threshold guarding, something that really tests you on the path and goes, do you, are you really committed to this journey? But usually that's when it kicks the crap out of you, right? There's some sort of kick the crap out of you kind of thing. I don't know, maybe you're trying the podcast out and then you're on and then you get burnt on the podcast. You can't think of what to say. You freak out, you get embarrassed, whatever happens. That's more of a threshold guardian. There's this temptress and I can't think of the name of it. I don't know if anybody knows the name of it on, on the path where along the way you get seduced off the path, right? Where it's like, Oh, I think I'm going great. And it's like, well, do you really want to go that way? Come this way. It's, it's easier. It's warmer. This kind of, this, it, it's not the actual true mission. And it's, it's interesting how the, the, the parallels with the hero's journey and self-improvement along the path. Um, as, as you've been going along this, you know, what has been like, uh, cause I've had my aha moments for you. What are, what are your, some, those aha moments inside of doing the podcast that have really kind of changed your mindset or your perspective on self-improvement? Yeah. I, I mean, I think I already alluded to one of them, but mm. it's listening back to what I was thinking about and how I was relating with things five years ago and to be like, Whoa, you know, that was me. And you know, how much have I grown? How much have I learned since then? Right. So it, it almost allows you to have that perspective to really witness the progress that you've made. And also it's not that that was wrong at the time and you're right now It's just all about the context. Right. So it gives you a little more space to consider kind of the, the, the space between the notes, you know, so to speak, like there's, there's like, like the symphony and music isn't about the sounds. It's about yeah. the space between the notes that makes the music. Right. So it's like, you're able to see some of those nuanced pieces as the time has passed to be mm. able to figure out that like, oh, the context here is different. And that's why I'm relating with this differently or whatever it might be. So I'd say that's one of kind of like the best benefits is just a kind of here and then or here and now kind of relationship between who I was and who I am. And then the other is just because I used to do interviews, you know, and I, I got to interview Greg McEwen, right? And it's just like, these are people, you know, like I just realized like, oh, they, they write the books and they're on the stages and they're doing these things. And then they're on a Zoom having technical issues just like anyone else might. And it's like, <laughs> 
this guy's this guy's a human. This woman is human. It's like what's keeping me from being like them. So it's very encouraging to get to that next level, like to access that next level, and then to see what it looked like. Sure, talent and you know articulation, great, but also the realities of it are like very human. And it was encouraging to me to see like, oh, I'm not that far off. I can yeah. stay on my path and I can get there. Yeah, it's interesting to see that, and it there are sometimes in the in the podcast when I've interviewed people that I feel like they are humans that operate at a different level, right? And then I'm just like, oh, wow, this is a different type of human. And you can, but they had a path, they had a pathway of how they, how they got there along that I had a, had a guy who was a neuroscientist talking about everything is just consciousness and space time reality is not fundamentally true. It's just our, everything is universal consciousness. And I'm just like, I had like four hours of sleep. I'm just like, oh, this guy is so smart. I'm just trying to like hold on for dear life, just yeah. trying to, but I could feel like just by being around those people though, it shifts your brain. And yes, they are people, um, but they've, they've been able to kind of, certain people have reached a level of expertise in whatever they're at, whether it's physical fitness or psychology or whatever it might be that it feels like they see the world differently than we do. Right. And I, and I feel like I'm, I'm very curious about, cause you've been on the grind for a while too. It was like, people often want tactics. Like they're like, Hey, tell me, how do I improve my life? Or how do I make a billion dollars? Or how do, but a lot of it really, the origins of that is that mindset, that perceptual shift that you get. And in a lot of the ways you get that is through talking to these human folks that mm -hmm. seem to do inhuman things. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, I think that's something that I've really had to own over time is I don't want to be the next Tim Ferriss. Or I don't want to be the next Dave Meltzer as a mentor of mine, right? So it's like, I don't want to be the uh -huh. next version of these guys. I want to be my own self, but I can incorporate their learnings and I don't need to come up with anything that's completely original. What I have to say about my understanding of these core universal concepts is original yeah. itself. So it's taken the pressure off a little bit that way. And that's where I've been able to try the different tactics and the specific things that they're mentioning, implement it in my life, see how it works. And then that's what I can share and you know, encourage other people to do for them to then relate with it and take with it on their own, right? So it's, it's almost just kind of like you're passing the baton and letting people have more perspective and resources to then figure out what works best for them, which is when it comes to a tactical level, like the core resources I offer in my, my coaching are about having the right process and systems and feedback loops in place. So you can figure out and measure what's working, what's not, how this make me feel, how didn't it make me feel? And then you can start optimizing for yourself because there's no way to optimize unless you know the, you know, unless you have the, the core infrastructure in place to actually fulfill the process. Um, but that end result with the same process will be far different for one person. It will be for another. So mm. it's, it's a mix of, you know, art and science. Right. And, uh, and that's, that's the beauty of it. Yeah. And that's when I think about that, I think of the constraints allow for creativity, right? So you have these frameworks to be able to dance in and that framework though, it's not the same process for anybody, but you can follow the process and get a different result, but it puts you on that path. Mm -hmm. And what it makes me think about too, is, is it's a two part question, but the first one I want to get answered and we'll dive into the second one. Part one, you talk about the, the notes in between the music and what was coming to mind for me was people finding their voice, people being able to communicate. And I think sometimes it's very difficult to pause, find a voice, be willing to just dive in deep and, a lot of people want to have everything perfect. They want to have everything scripted. They want to have everything laid out. They want to have, they want to not seem like an idiot online. They don't want to say something stupid or put their foot in their mouths, which I have done on multiple <laughs> occasions on this podcast. 
then you're doing it right if that's the case like you gotta you gotta move you gotta push the boundary it's a journey man we're on a journey here and it's okay but the thing is like what's funny about that is like people want to look perfect Mm -hmm. but we're attracted to that authentic fuck up i would say for in in terms of going into it and because people go oh wow it's real you feel that realness of that communication how do you because uh, this is the part of the coaching question, but I'm, I'm gonna dive into what your coaching looks like. But how do you help people find that voice? How do you people? How do you get them to detach from just being mimics of their mentors to being themselves? Ooh. Um, I mean, I think, I think that like kind of the the real pandemic we're experiencing is a pandemic of self worth. You know, so I think it's first being able to love yourself and know that you do have something unique to offer that you don't need to parrot or rehearse what someone else says. And it's gaining the confidence in that, that like your contribution and your thoughts matter, you know? So I think there's a a self-worth element to it. What came to mind, which is more of an indirect answer to your question is not necessarily how do you find your voice, but it's how do you avoid that negative voice? How do you prevent that from stopping you from even trying in the first place? And in my, in my mind, that perfectionism, right? You said perfectionism, that's a form of self-sabotage, just like procrastination, just like limiting beliefs, just like negative self-talk, you know, just like rationalization. All of these things are our logical conscious mind trying to create a certain representation or story of how things are that keeps us from taking action. And the reason that happens is because there's a, at least my understanding of it is because there's a disconnect, there's a cognitive dissonance between the identity that you hold and the behaviors that you're engaging in. And if you engage in a behavior that violates your present identity, which is more reserved, it's more quiet, it's something else, then these self-sabotaging tendencies are going to be created from your subconscious mind to prevent your logical conscious actions, right? And that's where perfectionism is self-sabotage, preventing you from taking a new action that violates that identity. Mm. So in order for people to like express their voice in their selves, they need to get that other voice out of the way. So very good point on this. And it, what makes me think about it is like, I'm an entrepreneur and I've done, I've often stepped into fields where I've had no business being. And then I've figured things out along the way. I was, a, I went in the hospitality space. I went, jumped into owning a, a gourmet catering food truck business where I didn't know anything about it. Not only the pilots. And I had, I was absolutely an imposter, but then I figured out that there was like this lag effect that over time I then stopped and I was like, I was clearly had the identity of someone who ran in on this because I was absolutely competent in what I did, but I had an incongruency mm-hmm. of actually having to figure those things out. And I've, and I've done it several of the times now in the future and the, now I'm in high tech and you know, the things that we've talked about previously, but how do you get people, you're talking about that self-sabotage, that imperfection, but the, 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 People need progress to feel good to a degree. If we don't progress, we don't feel good. Part of that progress is doing stuff that doesn't jive with our identity. And then eventually we grow that identity. How do you get people to take that fearful step and not sabotage themselves? Yeah, well, I think you got to understand the like the bigger... Um, the, the bigger player here, which is that self-sabotage exists and it's related to your old identity. So what I've found to be true is there are two different ways for you to you know, transform your subconscious so that you have new identities, you have new beliefs, you have new stories, you tell yourself, you know, and then you can create ones that are more empowering, more inspiring, more supportive of the person you want to be, right? So that is the process of getting rid of self-sabotage. You've got to get rid of that old identity that's creating the self-sabotage in the first place. So the two ways that I found that you can create subconscious transformation are first and um, 
I guess this is the best word for it, trauma. So when you're experiencing something traumatic, then that means you have this high emotionally intense experience that then causes you in a moment to say, oh, things are different now, right? A lot of people associate trauma with negative things, but also if you win this award or you have this really inspiring psychedelics, like you can have this highly intentional and intense experience that then causes some kind of sub subconscious shift, right? So that's trauma, not necessarily, you know, leaning on the negative side of what trauma means. It's just kind of like this interruptive experience. It happens in a moment, right? Yeah. So that's one of the ways that your subconscious will transform. The second way is spaced repetition, right? Consistency is key. The more that you take action doing a certain thing, the more you're going to be affirming the new identity that you're looking to cultivate, right? And that's where if you want to become a certain person, you can reverse engineer becoming that person by taking consistent action in ways that are congruent with the identity of that person. But you're bringing up a great point, which is how do you take action through the self-sabotage, right? So it's like, you've got to be aware of the self-sabotage and you've got to be so committed to it and acting through it. And that's what you did as an entrepreneur is mm -hmm. even though every single corner of your being was saying, stop, you suck, you don't know what you're doing, you yeah. kept going and your yeah. actions proved that voice of self-sabotage wrong. You were able to overcome it until you're consistently acting in congruence with a new identity, allowed that identity become your predominant identity versus the old one that was trying to hold you back, right? And that's from a tactical level. That's like the first thing that I do on a coaching level is I teach people to become identity, like from an identity level to be self-disciplined is having a growth mindset, right? So once you, once you can really cultivate the habit of being self-disciplined, which is making the right choice when you know there's a choice to be made is all self-discipline is. And you do that consistently despite circumstances, that's, you know, extra caveats and conditions to it. But once you build that core response pattern within self-discipline, you can then apply that to all of the other challenges that you're experiencing in life, which allows you to slowly mold your other identities in different parts of your life to be congruent with the person you want to be, right? So it's building that infrastructure, that core framework. Uh, I, I found it's most important um, to build that habit of self-discipline, which is associated with the growth mindset, um, to then be able to kind of be the lead domino to the rest of the positive habits that serve you. Yeah, self-discipline. And what it sounds like is saying is, is you want to outwork your old identity. Right? Mm -hmm. You want to, you, you do it to the point to where there's no, you become undeniable with so much repetition. There's a book called Predictably Unpredictable, I think is the name of it. And they were talking about this as, we're social creatures, right? When we, when, whenever we see a large line, and I, I know this from my my food business days, is when you see a large line, the, the intelligent thing would be to go into the short line, but everyone goes into the long line because like, oh, there's obviously value here. We need social proof, social creatures. Well, that not only not only happens in the present moment, that actually happens at a sink at a time. And what it means by that is every single time, let's just say you saw a Starbucks and you waited in line to go into Starbucks, you now have a mental cue of you previously waiting in line at Starbucks. And then you go back to that no, and then there's a second version of me that's done it before, and then a third, and then a fourth, until finally, I have an identity of somebody who goes to Starbucks over time. And so you're saying to kind of apply that in the in the situation where you can just outwork it by just, okay, first get that self-discipline so I can get that repetition. I get that repetition that will then break my even if I do self-sabotage or even if I do those things, this is someone I do regardless of the output. It's more about that process and me being and willing to do that process than necessarily the result of that process. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's spot on. I love that example. 
And it reminds me of kind of two more common ways to relate with it, which is fake it till you make it, right? Like you do the things until you become the person. And yeah. that, that relates to the second version, which is overcome until you become, right? You overcome the challenge, the obstacle until you become capable of defeating it, which is because at a subconscious level, you've shifted to, you know, to be above it. Just, you know, that's your, your new normal. I have not heard that one yet. So that's going to be going into this. It's going to go into my Rolodex of my brain. And so I appreciate that. Overcome till you become. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so much of that is that identity, and I think it's so it's so interesting. And what's also interesting is uh, I'm going to share I'm going to share you I'm going to share with you one improvement hack because we're talking about self improvement here please. on this topic. That <laughs> I, I please take it, go for it. I stole it. And I'll tell I'll tell you where where I got it from. But it, it's something that you're talking about. The other half of this was trauma. What is a trauma? There is something that happens that is so intense right? That it now owns space in your brain and anything that is now associated with that. You can then, then it's now attached to, right? So with virtual reality, cause I have a lot of experience in that space. You do virtual exposure therapy and you desensitize yourself to something over time by exposing yourself to a virtual spider. And then it gets more and more scary and more and more realistic until finally you desensitize. So that's working it backwards from the trauma. Now there's other ones, which you mentioned psychedelics, Right. And that's the thing, you know, I was talking to someone previously about is why is it uh, we need to go do a bucket of ayahuasca in the jungles of Peru to get, you know, uh, humanity. It, we are all one. You can get that on Instagram while scrolling. You're not going to be this. It's not going to hit you the same way when you're three cups in the ayahuasca and you're in the jungles and you can barely hold on to reality with one fingernail. Right. It's different because you're already at that peak state and you then you introduce that information. And that that intensity of the trauma sticks with you and, 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 and hooks with you. So I recently heard about this, another way to do anchoring. So NLP, uh, Neuro Linguistic Programming, or things that, let's look at Pavlov's dog, right? If everyone's not familiar with Pavlov's dog, there was a hungry dog. Uh, and then he would you'd feed the dog food and then you'd ring the bell and you'd have stimuli associated with the action, which causes a physiological change. The dog would drool. So now you then remove the dog bowl over so many repetitions. And now when you ring the bell, the dog drools anyways, right? So we understand that as a core concept. So someone talked about doing this type of anchoring, uh, but doing, uh, a type of what we call is, uh, olfactory anchoring and so what they did is saying okay instead of just imagining a peak state imagine a peak state imagine a peak state and then hit your chest and go yes yes imagine it and you hit your state and yes right very tony robbins peak state we're familiar with that right that's what that that looks like so what this guy did uh, i think it was a uh, uh, jordan belfer the way of the wolf from the book i got this from his book and i'm going to try this i haven't done it yet but my plan is to do this he was talking about this in the process of sales or any of the situations. He goes, okay, instead of trying to imagine a situation and hitting your chest and say, yes, right, that what you need is you need some sort of dramatic stimuli that's super intense. And it's also got to hit you right at the peak of the peak. Both those things need to be true. You got to be at the, the, the peak of the emotion. And then you have to have a really intense sound or something to associate the two together. So what he did and what he does now is when he does sales, and when he hits a peak sales moment, right? You know, right when you you get that sales moment or you game winning touchdown or, or whatever the thing might be and you're at that peak, he brings with him one of those boom boom sticks. Are you familiar with the boom boom yeah. stick? 
So boom, boom, sick. For anybody that doesn't know, it looks like it looks like lipstick, but it's a really intense, specific smell. And you put it in your nose, and you take a whiff of it. And so what he does, he does all the factory anchoring. So he does that, puts it in his nose, takes a bit, so lands a big sales deal, pulls that thing out, brings it into and goes yes, right? Waits a couple seconds and then does it again. So then when he needs to get back in that peak state. You're never going to have that same smell again. It's very hard to replicate. You now anchored it at a peak moment in time. It's something that's super small that you can order on Amazon for like 20 bucks for three different flavors, put it in your pocket. And then when you're ready to go anchor that peak moment, you can do it that way. I was actually thinking about doing a psychedelics later at some point in time, right? And just anchor that moment in and pull that back out to get back into it. But what are your, what are your thoughts around that? <laughs> Sounds like Jordan Belfort to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I totally believe it. You're right. No, I mean, it's like... I mean, you talk about the habit loop. I got atomic habits somewhere in my bookshelf behind me. Oh. And it's all about, you know, it's trigger, craving, uh, response, and then reward, right? So it's all about like, how do you attach the reward and the gratification you get from doing something to the, you know, initial moment like Pavlov's dog, which is, you know, the bell to cause salivation, right? It's like the more that you can connect the thing that brings your awareness to mm -hmm. the opportunity to receive the award and the high emotional experience of the reward, you know, the closer the connection that can be. I mean, from what I know about habit formation, it makes a lot of sense. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's something that I'd be curious for you to check back to me with that to see how, how that goes for you. I'll let you know, man. I'm not saying it. Here's the thing. I'm always sampling different things, right? We go yeah, through, and we learn things. I get people on the podcast. I get inspired. Now I'm I'm up in the morning taking cold showers because I had another dude on the podcast that got me into that whole jam. And so I'm doing this type of stuff. But I try I try on these different identities and these habits and, and see which ones stick. Oh, for yourself, like what are things for you that you now do that is a, a daily habit or a way of life that you've you've consciously or unconsciously integrated to improve yourself? Oh, dude, I mean. Well, so let me ask you a question. I'll get into that. So, yeah. so with your like iteration self-improvement process, how do you, how do you measure progress? Like what is, what's your way to kind of know, Hey, is this working? Is this helping? Is this not like, like what is your measuring stick for some of that stuff? Uh, for myself, it's, it's twofold. So sometimes it's just, can I just get the reps in and I'll make, I'll make a concerted effort to do it over a series of months. And I'll be just like a, a, a part of time of a challenge. And then if I keep doing it after that, it's cool. And I'm just trying to look for the reps. Like podcast, I gamified it. My gamification is to get to a thousand. It doesn't really, it's it's part of my the the story and the narrative. But to me, it's like, do I get those reps in? And that that's one of it. I mean, the other one is do I do I feel like it has a net positive impact on my something, say psyche, right? So I get up and I do journaling in the morning. And that to me, I feel has a positive impact. And I can tell that when I get into situations where I need to work something out, I go and I do that activity and I feel good from it. So I, I think part of it is the process and just me just counting the reps because it's gamified. And then other ones are the emotional reward. Or if I feel like I need to go do something, I have that as a, as a, a tool in my tool belt to shake something loose. Got it. Cool. Yeah. All right. So it sounds like it's qualitative and it's kind of implicit, right? So it's something that you're coming upon some subjective measure for, which then, mm -hmm. you know, you do that enough times, you kind of can start recognizing patterns about, oh, this leads to that. And you kind of iterate from that more like subjective lens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a habit gatherer. <laughs> I, try to, I, try to, I try to go, what works, right? So what about you? Yeah. So no, the reason I asked that is because my 
core keystone habit, and this is what I teach in the coaching alongside the habit of self-discipline is what I call your self-improvement scorecard. So I also gamify my personal development, but every single night without fail, I've been doing it for almost a decade. I go and I report on key categories in my life so I can make sure I was accountable to doing certain things. I have those qualitative measures about like, oh, what was my energy like today? How productive was I today? How consistent with my schedule was I today? So I can start having real data that I can pull trends and patterns from over different timestamps, right? Because your implicit process, you know, that kind of biases and memory isn't perfect over time. So you have this general impression of how it works. But when you have it documented and standardized, that's what I found is able to really accelerate the incorporation of new positive habits. And then especially if something's not performing as you want it to, for example, right now, I'm trying to get my energy levels up in the middle of the day. You know, I just noticed that morning, I feel great kind of noon to five, I get a little tired and I kind of pick back up in, in the evening. Is it diet? Is it um, hydration? Is it my sleep? What is it? So, you know, kind of, you can start isolating variables. And since I have this scorecard in place, I can see what's going on. And what I've been able to do to combat that is I've just incorporated an energy management routine where I do some breath work, I do some gratitude and I dance for a minute and I'm like, cool, that like gets me fired up and I'm yeah. ready to go. And it took me a little bit to figure out that combo. And now I'm seeing that my energy levels are lifting in the middle of the day and I'm developing this association of, oh, I'm feeling down, what can I do? And I have a lower barrier to entry to getting into a peak energetic state because I've already determined my kind of recovery sequence, which is my energy management ritual, right? So, so that's how I think about, like you're talking about this implicit or kind of unconscious way that I think about my personal development, it's really in the scorecard. How do you, okay, so that's great. I have a couple of questions there, it's, it's funny too. Uh, so when you have the scorecard, cause I was, um, I was using the Atomic Habits Habit Journal for a while where I checked those things off and I switched from that and now I use an app, right? Mm -hmm. And I have an app that at the end of the night, I try to, I try to track it. It's not, I'm not hundred percent consistent. I don't think I'm at your level and I don't do what you do around like looking at my score at the end of the time. What is that cadence? Cause I think it's very difficult to be both the dungeon master and the player in the game of life. And so I'm currently mm -hmm. working the system as the player. I have a hard time switching out and being that dungeon master. What does that process look like for you to review your scorecard? Is it weekly, monthly? Can you talk me through that? It's all the above. Yeah. So, okay. I mean, I have daily, weekly, monthly, and quarterly review practices. Like these are routines that I have in place so that I have kind of a standard way of observing my behavior. Right. So, and I try and I try not to be emotionally attached to certain results. It's me being able to observe and reflect to say, Hey, what worked and what didn't. So, you know, by having time specifically carved out to be the dungeon master versus the player, right. Yeah. That allows me to put on that different hat and to figure out exactly how this is working for me. Do you previously schedule it out? Like you have like every month on the first and like, because I noticed that for myself, I think in blocks of weeks yeah. and then I, those, those blocks of week are fairly easy to get down as consistent patterns, but monthly or quarterly or those ones, it's a little harder to find ways to sneak those in because it kind of messes with the overall weekly flow. Yep. Totally. So it's, it's about setting the intention of this is what I'm hoping to accomplish, you know? So I hope to do it at the beginning of every month and I have my own productivity systems and scheduling systems. So that run as part of what I call my self-improvement operating system to bring my awareness to, oh, we are coming up close to the new month. This is going to take me two hours. And now I can put that in my schedule and build around it in terms of the different things that I'm signing myself up for or commitments that I'm making, you know? So I have these different systems in place that help me to bring the awareness that I need to then practice that habit of self-discipline to then take action on the things that are most important to me, right? So it's this very kind of cohesive process where the mindset piece needs to be there in order to follow through on the things that are most important. And then 
that mindset, self-discipline requires that you have awareness of what's happening. So how do I create moments of awareness? And that's what my scorecard does. I, you know, I habit stack things on my scorecard as a, you know, mm -hmm. a trigger for me to follow through on it. But then also I have different scheduling practices and time management practices and these different kind of protocols in place that help me to get into these other activities, which then serve to, you know, I guess, fuel the core mechanism, which is a scorecard in my own effort, you know? So mm. it's, it's very, um, it's very integrated in the way that I approach it, but it's also, it's, it's an intention, right? So it's not like it's on the first at 8 PM every single time. It's like, okay, cool. I'd like to do it on the first, but this is what my day's throwing at me now. And I keep my, you know, I have my schedule every single day right here with me. And I've got, you know, this time one hour allocated for us to chat, which is great, right? I actually gave us a half hour extra just because I've learned over time. <laughs> if I study my schedule every single day. I want to make sure I'm not planning on doing something critical beyond a call like this, right? Yeah. So I have my systems, which is part of my feedback loop that I do on a weekly basis and a daily basis to reflect on, oh yeah, I've noticed that podcast interviews might go a little long and I don't want to feel rushed at the end of it. So let me just budget an extra half hour. And that's mm. been my right cadence, right? So it's all about having the intention to do certain things, realizing that that's the theory. When you put it into practice, you're going to need to be adaptable. But if you have, like you said, enough architecture and constraints in place, you can be creative within those constraints. And that's kind of my best balance that I strike through my own personal development systems. Mm, I love that. And uh, 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 self-improvement operating system. That's, yeah. a, that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Uh, might be the title of this podcast on this one, by the way. So the what I'm curious about, too, is this is I've noticed sometimes I have an intention. People have intentions, right? Uh, it's the beginning of the year. I'm going I'm I'm to lose a million pounds or whatever the intention might be for what they got. What's your your checks and balances? Because I think I think for me, checks and balances is, is super important. So you have an intention to do it, uh, the, say the first of the mm -hmm. month. And then you miss it. How do you recatch it? Are you looking at your Are you looking at your planning and then say, okay, oh, I was supposed to do it, and then you you grab that and you bring it back down, or what does that look like? Yeah, for that example in particular, yeah. um, you know, let's say monthly review February first, right? Yeah. I have it on my calendar for whatever reason. I don't do it. The way that my task management system, which is its own like system of being able to assign urgencies and priorities and connection points, timelines, different things, I have systems in place where it's if I don't do it, then it's represented in my task management system a certain way. In my case, it's called overdue. And then when I go to filling my calendar, I have a, an SOP. I have a process to say, this is my process for filling my calendar. The first thing I look at are my overdues because they're beyond deadline, right? So that's how that becomes a priority again, just built into the nature of how I've organized my task management system, and my scheduling protocols, right? And that's why that's how it's all integrated. It's your task management talks to your schedule. Your schedule is your moment of awareness. I call it a trigger multiplier, right? Because you like your schedule is triggering you. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I'm supposed to do. So your schedule is your trigger multiplier for you then to make a decision in the moment. I intended to you know do this podcast interview for this hour, hour and a half, right? But what if something came up? What if my house caught on fire? I'll make a decision in the moment. Oh, sorry, Dylan, got to bounce. Something else more important. I still have the power to make the right decision in the moment. But now I have a reference point to bounce all of that off of because I've been able to establish my intention and plan in advance. So it holds me more accountable to the unemotional plan that I set. Meanwhile, I'm making emotional decisions in the moment. And it helps me to stay more in alignment with myself because it's the stoic philosophy, right? I'm trying to take action and integrity with my best self and um, you know, resist the influence of emotions, tired, hungry, horny, whatever, right? that might bias your logical mind in the moment. Yeah, man, the, the Stoics had it right. You want to talk about an amazing operating system back in the day. 
was that what that ability to not let anything too low hit you, let not, nothing too high hit you, and to to be that try to be that ultimate form of yourself, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and that makes a lot of sense. So then, and that's that balance because there's a part of that when you're trying to talk about, it, I could feel my inner self that wants to be free and doesn't want any schedule whatsoever go no right at the same time i also know it's like working out anything else i know by doing that activity i'm gonna feel good i'm gonna have awareness i'm gonna have clarity i'm gonna have certainty which increases my confidence my self-worth my self-belief knowing that i can do those activities so it's it's a striking that balance between having enough structure that you can then type it loose enough structure that you can actually then be able to feel free to move in it knowing that you have a system that's going to catch anything that falls through the cracks. Sure. That's super cool. And everyone's tolerance for that structure is different, right? For me, mm-hmm. I've done enough iterations of my own evaluation of, you know, how good did I feel today? I know that there's a direct association yeah. with how productive I was versus how good I felt, right? So I'm on the high side of like being more productive. So that's why I have half hour time blocks of what I want to be doing with enough wiggle room to figure out how do I fulfill those things. But someone else, maybe their best balance isn't quite so rigid. And it's once you make a schedule, and and in this example, once you make a schedule, you think about it to say, oh, did this work for me? How did I feel? Then you change your process so that it arrives at what works best for you instead of just taking it out of a box. And that's that's the next step. Like this is also in my coaching, but that's the next step. When people get into positive habits, they think that they're they're there. Like, great, I raised my standards. I'm in good habits. I am perfect. I'm great. It's like, that's the starting line. When you're in good habits, then sure, you have the infrastructure in place. It's about optimization beyond that. The more that you figure out Mm. how those habits can serve you and are meant to serve you, and you get the feedback and you make the tweaks and adjustments and you change your environment, you change your associations, you set boundaries, right? You do all these different things that affect the way that you spend your time. That helps you to arrive at that highly optimized you, which is ultimately you fulfilling your potential. Love that. So then you're saying you're not a slaves to your emotions you're using your emotions as a guide to get into more optimized and congruent sets so it's not that you're necessarily rejecting them i'm uh, not let not necessarily letting them dominate you but you have enough where you can kind of stay in the pocket but using them as a signal but not using it as a master control switch right yeah, yeah. so i mean ultimately it's about happiness right like i'm optimizing yeah. around how can i be as happy as possible so i need to allow emotions to be a voice in the, my decisions but i also know that ice cream makes me really happy. But in, in two months, if I had ice cream every single day to be happy in the moment, I would be less happy. Right. Yeah. So that's the balance in terms of how it affects you. Yeah, that, that is because there's, there is different types of, I mean, and also we kind of confuse happiness with comfort, you sure. know, and because and it can be pleasure isn't is that necessarily happiness. And they're, they're very like subtly confusing words, like the word love can be confusing. So is this what, so we talked about coaching. Uh, primarily what kind of coaching do you do? Can you describe that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, the way that I call it, and you can probably hear it, the, the one word, I guess I have said the word, but I call it intentional living. Like mm-hmm. the coaching that I do is I help people live as intentionally as possible, which means it's in alignment of the person that they want to be their best self, their fulfilled potential, their maximized capabilities. And ultimately, you know, the person that I'm most interested to support is someone who knows that supporting themselves and maximizing their processes, their energy, their productivity, their love in service of the world. So they have some larger thing they're trying to tap into and, and, and support with their effort. They're purpose-driven. Those are the people that I'm really inspired to work with, right? And so what I do is I help them live as intentionally as possible, meaning what are your tolerances? What are your expectations? How much exercise do you think you want? 
let's get in it. Let's start getting really intentional and aware of how much this is serving you in what capacities you have your different measuring points in place so that you can start adjusting and steering yourself toward that more optimized life. That is your best self. That is what you enjoy most. That is who you want to be, you know? So mm -hmm. that's where I have the core resources and infrastructure I'm sharing with the scorecard and the self-improvement operating system and the habit of self-discipline and the weekly review processes. I have all of that in place because I've, and that it works for a certain type of person, right? But I found that that's just a great infrastructure that anyone can plug into to say, okay, cool. I can become better with this awareness, with these tools, you know? So I help people in being able to actually install that operating system to be able to reuse those tools reliably, not just have them, but to use them well so that you can start making data-driven decisions around what works best for you. That's awesome. Yeah. And there's a, there's one thing to have the operating system. Another one is to actually use it and run it. And that's a, that's a good point. Like, cause sometimes you give people, I know, cause like I build software and I give, and I know that part of things that they don't factor for is here's the software, here's your application. And they're like, great. And then they never use it, never apply it, never integrate it, never build it. And their life would be so much easier, better, faster, stronger if they used it. But part of that is you kind of need to kind of work with them through the kinks, which is mentorship. Right, which is that this is how you use the tool. Yep. Uh, and so I, I love that. You, so you create a structure for them to kind of then take, okay, how do they consciously, intentionally optimize for who they want to be and how they want to fill? And then you have a system and a process and a structure for being able to, to optimize for that. Yep. Yeah. And it's practical in design too, right? And, and it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, which is, so you can have the tool. Are you going to use it? It's like, that's where self-discipline comes in because you will take action. You'll prioritize this. And like, despite circumstances, right? I was talking about the emotions of things. That's despite circumstances. Like you've committed to this, you know, it's going to serve you. You're not going to, you know, have ice cream every single night, whatever it might be. But that's why discipline and that habit of making the right choice when you know there's a choice to be made is the first step, because then you can get yourself to use these things that are all in your environment meant to serve you. And, and that's where, you know, it's practical intentionality because what I also do is I get really realistic about, like I said, the core process of you have your self-improvement operating system and your scorecard. From there, you can habit stack your scheduling routine because you're looking at your scorecard already. You have that moment of awareness saying, oh, now it's time for me to schedule, which then becomes your trigger multiplier for you to gain awareness throughout your day about what you're meant to be doing, right? So it's all of this integrated strategy that needs to be built one layer on top of each other. That's, and I, I call it kind of like your maximum fulfillment pyramid because you have your keystone habit, your base layer, you grow your productivity on top of that, you grow your habits and your standards on top of that, you grow your optimization on top of, right? So you have to kind of like work your way up and have the core infrastructure and resources and habits and routines and skills in place to be able to then, you know, slowly creep toward the top of that pyramid, which is your fulfilled potential. I love that. Yeah. And so you're, you're building the infrastructure so that they can, they can optimize their pyramid or their, their full potential. Right. Let me ask, let me ask you a question with this is, and this is, it's related, but it is also a segue is a lot of this is about optimizing yourself and creating a structure and really being able to uh, live at your full potential. Now you also have a for purpose social impact agency, which I thought was super unique. I went and checked it out and I, and I, and I, and I thought I was very inspired about how to get people up and running. What parts of this system, because uh, I can feel as someone who is, uh, I would uh, relate with you on the growth mindset 
Kaizen, constant improvements and figuring out what systems and structures and how do I how do I run my optimize myself like I'm a business being my best business self. So I, what about those things? Did you transplant over to for purpose? And if any, and what is that? How do those two worlds relate? <laughs> well, they I, I just laugh because you made like a certain triangle hand yeah. shape. So if you well, so if you think of the pyramid of self-improvement, yeah. which comes to a point, that point then touches your upside down pyramid of impact. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's one, so once you get into your maximum potential four, and it's to serve the world, it's to make a difference. Oh, I get it. I get it. an hourglass kind of so, shape. So it's an hourglass. Exactly. Yeah. So what you do is you build your own self. The best thing that you can do for the world is to make sure you're taken care of because then you can show up better for your mission, for your family, for the things that are most important to you. So you invest in being able to optimize your energy. So the three pillars that I have in my scorecard are energy, productivity, and love. You optimize your energy so that you be present and you're not restricted by you know your ability to focus, your productivity systems to make sure that you, you have, bless you, <laughs> to make sure that you have uh, all of the right things in your calendar so you're taking the right actions. And then your love so that you're not losing touch with the people that are most important to you. That is your emotional center of these people, right? So you get all these things working, you optimize them, then once you reach that, reach that max potential, that ultimate fulfillment of your potential, what is it for? And you can ask any millionaire or billionaire, I guess it's not impressive to be a millionaire anymore, any billionaire um, out there who has made a bunch of money and they'll tell you that the best thing that they did was they gave it all away or they put it to work in service of other people because that's what really feels good. That's what life's about. That's what they've discovered when everything else is accounted for. That's really what it, what means the most to them. So that's mm -hmm. why you get to that max potential where you are financially free and you have energy freedom. Then you can flip that pyramid into your impact and you can start making a difference. It's not that you have to be fully, you know, self-actualized in order to make a difference, right? But that's kind of how the pyramid flips because there is a purpose for it. And it meets when, you know, the, the tops, you know, the points of the pyramids meet in the middle of that hourglass. Yeah, I love it. And I've noticed that... There's two things that come in mind for this. Well, multiple things. We're, we're gonna take this in order. So first of all, it's that is that you first need to be selfish before you can be selfless. Hundred percent, right? And I think a lot of people, from what I've noticed, is is there's this. I'm sure there's a term for it. Is that people want to bypass the selfish part and they want to go right to the selfless, right? Because it's easier. It's easier to to be of service to people around them. But then what happens is things things will suck them away. They'll they'll go to fill up somebody else's cup but they'll have nothing left in their cup, right? And so I've had friends, people that I've known that really want to be service to other people, but they're not taking care of themselves and they get super sick. They get super unhealthy, they get super whatever it is. And then all of a sudden they get really bitter that they're taking care of all these other people, not themselves. And I've seen people that like start in nonprofits and then just get run dry and then go into Wall Street. We're <laughs> just going to someplace completely different. And I feel like that order is, is incorrect. Is if you, it's very difficult to be of service to the people if you have nothing to give to them. It's that uh, selfless king kind of attitude. And so I, have you seen that where people try to skip that step and try to first be of service without filling themselves up and then sliding back down? Or what are your thoughts around that? It happens every single time. Because people are well-intended. They're good people. They want to make a difference. They're really inspired. They care about the people in their lives. They care about the causes on their heart. They have a mission. And they think that that's a priority over themselves. When again, like you said, selfish before you can be selfless. The best thing that you can do for the causes, missions, impact that you care about is to take care of yourself first. 
And people skip that because that worthiness piece is one of them. Like you're projecting and you're kind of extrinsically um, relating with your environment in order to kind of get your back scratched and to, to feel okay about yourself. You need that validation from other people, right? So that's where the worthiness comes in. But also it's it's just like, it seems like the logical thing to do. It's it just, it because that's what feels better is when you're of service, but you can't be of sustainable service until you're self-sustaining. And so, so you're exactly right. Like, and that's, you know, I work with, you know, purpose-driven entrepreneurs and, um, you know, nonprofit leaders. And, and these are the conversations we have, which is, do you know what's the best thing for you to show up better for your mission? Let's not talk about the other players in your life. The best thing for your work is for you to be taken care of. Like your work is always going to involve your personal life and yourself. You are the one stepping into the work. So how can you actually, like, how can you actually stop working at 5 p.m.? and completely check out and do so without guilt because you got so much done during the day and you know that now you're filling your cup back up to be able to pour it out the next day. And how much more can you pour every single day when you fill up instead of just you know trying to use whatever you have left? So that's, that's the core education and conversation I try and have with people in the impacts sector because I think we can change the world if the people that are already doing the work are on fire. Like once they're on fire, these problems will be solved but people are pouring with empty cups. And that's where I want to remind people, you've got to fill yourself up. You've got to optimize your life, your energy, your productivity, your love. Take care of yourself first. Be selfish first before you really share everything you have with the mission because you'll have more to share if you take care of yourself. You're muted. Don't know what happened there, but okay, we're back. So... Yeah. 100%, I completely agree with what you're talking about there is this, this capacity, this power, this way of being that by taking care of yourself, whether it's your body or your mindset or your relationships or whatever's going on with you, you've got so many RPMs. And over time, if you just grind that thing out, you tend to slow down over time. And that's why I've been doing, it's so funny, like my, one of my challenges for this year was a midday recharge, which mm -hmm. is mid-afternoon, which is a little... Uh, uh, meditation halfway through and a little microdose. So I'm doing, that's my thing. I'm doing a yoga nidra, a little microdose, do it for about 40 minutes, get back into it, ready, Let's set, go. go. <laughs> Let's go, right? And it works. It's amazing for myself. And that's just my own pattern of behavior. But what happens is like, I noticed that I would go from 100 miles an hour at 5 a.m. all the way down to trying to grind things out at 5 p.m. And it just, mm -hmm. and I just can't. And I needed it. I needed to take that time. Otherwise, I would just, I'd be useless. And then I would get, and then I'd get very victim-y, I'd have no capacity. Someone would say something, I'd get all snappy or like, you don't know how hard I work or whatever the kind of thing is. And so when I have that, when I take that rest, I come back. It's like anything, any, any negativity or hits me, it kind of just bounces off me. It's like, pink. I'm like, Hey, hope you're having a great day. Sorry. You're mad. Let's keep going everybody. You know? <laughs> so, and that's uh, at least what I've noticed with myself is it just, it's, it's necessary. So, um, how can, I want to talk about this though, too, is can you describe to me what your, um, social impact model is, how it works, why is it different? Because I think that's pretty unique and I want, I want to touch on that as well. Yeah, so it's it's probably different than what you're seeing on the website too. We're redoing it right now. But basically, sure. you know, so our social impact agency, what we do is we build movements that shake the world. So we identify cause areas that we can impact. We go and diagnose them, figure out what is the most high leverage way that you can actually impact this. For example, we have a, a campaign called Burpees for Vets where we have completely revolutionized the uh, veteran space and we've taken the conversation away from suicide homelessness substance abuse and we've created one that's more empowering in a conversation about wellness and empowerment and with the right resources 
veterans can be leaders that continue to excel in their civilian lives, right? So we, what we've done is we've found this cause area that we could disrupt from an impact standpoint, but then we've created a vehicle that invites people in to participate. And just like personal development, you know, social impact, it's so important to understand what are the objections or what are the barriers to entry that people are experiencing. People don't know where to donate. They don't know what to support. They don't know how to vet it. They don't know, like there's all these different objections, which paralyzes people. So what we do is we create movements with a single call to action that's built around a specific interest for veterans. It's called burpees for vets. So it's a fitness challenge where we have people in the fitness space who have the intention to get involved in supporting on veterans day. And they don't know how it's like, cool. All you got to do is you fundraise and for, for every dollar you fundraise, you do a burpee on veterans day. It's going to be a crazy fitness challenge. The money goes directly to five hand selected nonprofits in the veteran transition space who are addressing the highest leverage opportunity for impact in XYZ ways. And this is your solution to getting involved in Veterans Day, feeling like you're doing something meaningful. You put it on a plate and they say, cool, sign me up. I'm doing it instead of, okay, I want to do something for Veterans Day. I don't know who to support. And man, it sounds like a lot of work to kind of set up a fundraiser and, and then nothing happens, right? So we create this universal vehicle that we can then customize for different entry points, depending on people's interests. But at least we have the core infrastructure so that people can step into it and materialize their intention to follow through on action. That's my, that's my personal mission statement. And I'm talking a lot about intentionality. My mission st statement is turning human intention into action. That's within your own health and habits and the best version of yourself, or that could be in the difference that you want to make in the world, materializing that into something that's tangibly um, impacting a cause that you care about. Right. So, so that's what I would say is like for, you know, that's okay. So to answer your question, that's what we do is we yeah. build these vehicles where we allow people to plug in, get involved in a meaningful way where their contribution matters and it's within their interests already. And then mm -hmm. we amplify that and we, we scale it across thousands of people to be able to create incredible ripples for that cause. That's awesome. So what you're doing in, in my own terminology of what, what I understand is you're, you're viewing a nonprofit and you okay, okay, how can we create this nonprofit and streamline the nonprofit so that we can create a unified action and activity that is simple, easy to understand, and and with very low friction to get into. So that someone says, okay, I want to support this cause. There's not 37 different ways to do it. You have one way to do it. It's simple. Anyone can do it. And you just follow these easy one, two, three steps, and you can contribute and make a meaningful impact. And so you're removing the clutter and the confusion out of contributing and supporting one mission for each of these, each of these movements, for each of these nonprofits or impact companies. Right. Yeah, yep. that's exactly right. The one could say cool. is it's not that we optimize around one nonprofit. We actually found that causes are better addressed when there's collaboration between nonprofits. So our vehicles support multiple nonprofits because that's part of a more holistic and comprehensive solution. And we Got also it. find that the consumer, the end user, they're happier to contribute to multiple uh, nonprofits because then they they're diversifying their risk of oh are these yeah. all legit nonprofits right so you're meeting yeah. people where they're at in terms of where their psychology is and their interest to get involved so so we do that vetting for them so they're confident that okay my dollar and the people I'm bringing into this their dollars are going to be of maximum benefit because it's going to the vetted cause plus this is how I get involved which is very clear so yeah that second half you had spot on I love it yeah yeah and I and I appreciate the correction this is awesome because what you're talking about it's one of my one of my fundamental truths because we're going back and forth here is one of humans greatest superpowers is to use technology to collaborate through space and time 
Mm. Right. And we're talking about this is our ability to collaborate. Like we suck. You put us in the jungle individually. We suck. But you put us all together, pushing in the same direction, dominate the planet. And what I love about that is not just one nonprofit. You're making a co coalition of, of nonprofits. But we say, hey, guys, we're not all going to play by 75 different rules. Right. You're, you're the Genghis Khan of these nonprofits. Right. You're unifying all of them, bringing them all together and saying we're going this way. And this is how we're going to do it. And I'm going to make it very simple. You know, one one movement at a time one direction and then but then everybody wins together though exactly which, which is beautiful i love exactly. it exactly um yeah. the so, sum the sum of the whole is greater than this you know the individual parts absolutely yeah yes uh, synergy is is the way to freedom yeah i totally agree uh so with all this right i mean this uh i'm, I'm sensing a lot of intentionality in your life that's a <laughs> that's a that's something i don't know if you got that but Very observant. Well, yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> so uh, what I'm seeing, though, is there's, I mean, there's a lot of this uh, intentionality. You put a lot of time and effort. Obviously, this is, seems to be an obsession of yours, which I absolutely love. Uh, and you're, you're doing it in multiple different ways. You say, OK, how can I be the best self for myself? How do I how do I have this message? How do I learn and grow with this message? And then how do I spread this this system that I've created to other people, both in the coaching practice and in, in, in impact spaces? What is your holy grail? Like, what is the flag in the sand? What do you hope to achieve with all of this effort and intentionality? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great question. I'll I'll have to journal on this to get a better answer. But what's first coming to me is it's all about making a difference in the world. Like, I have this massive vision for how I can help bring incredible transformation to the well-being of the people and the planet that and the animals that. Um, that are living, that are existing in this world. And I don't know if it's because I was raised with a silver spoon and I'm just extremely naive, but it's gotten me this far and it feels so good to do that I wake up inspired because I know that I'm building toward that 2040, 2050 version of myself that is leading movements and leading the charge and helping people who are suffering to alleviate their pain and to inspire them. And I think that we can do it one person at a time. You get one person fired up, you get one nonprofit operating to its highest capacity. You do that across tens, hundreds, millions of people. Now you're doing something. Now you're making ripples. Now you're changing the world. So that's that's my flag in the sand. That's my north star. Is I want to make I want to maximize the difference that I can that I can inspire or or contribute to in my life. Um, and it, it, you know, there's a longer backstory as to why related to you know my grandpa's legacy. Um, and it just it it lights me up. I sit at his desk every single day and I look at his memorial uh, above my desk and it's it's just kind of the fire that keeps me going yeah this is uh do you have a a 60 second or two minute uh elaboration on that sure yeah the, the, so so my grandpa is my hero so let's land let's land the plane so my grandpa is my hero because he excelled in circumstances where i feel most insecure or like i feel less capable like the least capable of succeeding um so basically he was raised in a single room home in the Bronx. He was the youngest of seven children. He never really met his dad. His mom was sick his entire childhood. He was raised on the streets of the Bronx. And somehow, some way, he earned a full ride scholarship to Harvard, where he played two sports, basketball and baseball, earned a Fulbright scholarship after graduating summa cum laude, went to South America to study the way that oil was being used and like the taxes and discovered that it was very corrupt, received death threats. Then he was like, well, I'm in South America. What should I do? Huh? Coffee's a thing here. Let me study coffee. He helped to bring coffee to the Americas. 
he he created store brand uh, coffee, you know, kind of like the Kroger's, whatever, mm -hmm. you know, the store brand. So he brought that concept of South American coffee to the States where it ended up being white labeled as uh, store brands. And he was able to scale across consumer goods in the States and build an incredible legacy and, and foundation of wealth for my family that I get to benefit from. So it was his being able to overcome the incredibly difficult circumstances of being in the Bronx without a, like kind of without, um, you know, real like parental guidance to then make a life for himself and then to build a legacy and infrastructure for generations to benefit. Like that's something that I just am extremely inspired about. That's beautiful, man. So you almost feel like what I'm hearing you say is you're a bit feel indebted to pay back all of the good that you've received and trying to kind of do right by your grandfather, your hero, your ancestor and saying, Hey, I've, I've gotten so much and you kind of like overwhelmed with it. You're trying to just pay that forward and pay that outward. Exactly it. Yeah. I, yeah. the way I call it is kind of like with my privilege that I've just inherited by the lottery of luck. No, I want to yeah. do as much with that platform as I can, which is why I want to see exactly how far I can take this with my ambition and making a difference. And that's why I've centered around this core philosophy, which is get people on fire so that they can then be unstoppable in the causes they care most about to then bring other people with them to be on fire and change the world even further. Love that. Uh, so if that's the, if that's the mission, right, is to, is to, is to have this 2040, 2050 version of yours having, creating movements and massive ripples all over the world with this change and positive impact for good. What's the dragon? What's the thing that's so difficult to overcome that you might need to transform who you are to get to what you want to get to? Yeah. Um, I've been fighting with this. So 2022 was a year where I, I fought my dragon and he, and my dragon's still there, but now I know the dragon's there. I didn't even know I had a, an adversary and now I've been able to identify the adversary and it, it's not going to make sense, but it's my entitlement. Like okay. I, like my dragon, it's, it's myself. Of course it's, I think it, for everyone, it's always themselves. Um, for me, it was my entitlement. And, you know, I had this inherited privilege and this platform and this silver spoon, you know, in my life. And anytime something was broke, someone was there to fix it. Or anytime something didn't work, someone was there to make it better. And uh, I was kind of raised in this environment where I got a lot of what I needed. And that translated into me not being as resilient as I thought, as I needed to be, or mm -hmm. as strong as I thought I was. And that's why, you know, my grandpa inspires me so much is because he was resilient. He was strong. Um, but so that's my dragon. My dragon is overcoming the, you know, by no fault of my own, but these kind of um, identities and these, these beliefs and these kind of comforts of my upbringing, um, which are keeping me from taking action through the self-sabotage or the adversity that I know is best for my cause and my best self. That's beautiful, man. It's, it's that uh i love it i mean and one thank you for sharing that it's very personal it's very vulnerable and i think i think it's i think it's beautiful that to acknowledge that and also to, to recognize you know our gaps it's so easy to talk about our strengths and how, mm -hmm. how awesome we are and and so forth and so on but uh there's that there's that that there's that weakness in us even like in me too where you know i've had certain things easy and given to me that i'm fighting that that inner peace in me that just wants it comfortable that wants it given that wants that 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 comfortable road um and it's beautiful that you can acknowledge that mm. um yeah i think you're i think your grandpa would be proud brother like that's that's very cool i love that's, that that's what i'm trying to do that's, <laughs> that was the last thing i would have said is i want to make him proud yeah, yeah. so and i and i'll continue to earn it you know like i feel like he is proud but i'm uh 
yeah, I'm still at it. I love that, man. I, I think it's so cool, dude. I, I feel I, I feel you on that. Like I had, a, um, I often try to live up to my dad. My dad was like a hippie, had a beautiful family, grow things like that. Just built a beautiful community of people around him. And I often I often try to do things to make him proud, right? And I think there's that 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 grind of wanting to honor honor the the effort that they put to to create a space for us to be who we are. You know, hundred percent. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful man. So with that being said, brother, um, it's awesome to have you on the show. I know we've gone a little over. I appreciate you budgeting for some more time here. Um, is there anything else you'd like to let people know about before you tell them how to get a hold of you? No. Uh, I mean, I think we've covered a, a wide swath here. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I just encourage people to, you know, set themselves up for success, you know, and it's like, get help, you know, like, you, you aren't going to do it on your own. You know, like you're trying to, like, I can't, I didn't slay the dragon on my own, this entitlement dragon. It's like, I gained awareness of it through mentors and masterminds and brotherhoods, you know, like, like if you expect to do it on your own, you can't. So, you know, be humble enough to know that you need help and then go get the help that you need. Um, Cause we're better together. Just like you said, humans can take over the world and have taken over the world when they work together, but you know, in isolation, not so much. Uh, yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah, we're we're uh, we're not an island. We we often try to pretend that we're you know self built from the ground up. No help from anybody. That's a, that's totally that's some BS there. So yeah. Uh, uh, so if people want to get a hold of you, find out more about you, uh, your impact space, your uh, podcast. How do they do that? Yeah. So I mean, there's kind of two halves of the conversation, right? So mm -hmm. the first is the personal development stuff. Um, so self improvement daily is the name of the podcast. It's very intentional in that if you want to build the identity of uh, a growth mindset, right? So that's where you can show up consistently. This podcast, you're teaching yourself every single day. You know, I'm worthy of growth. I can grow. So that's what self-improvement daily does. I have different programs and courses and coaching and stuff beyond that. Uh, if you do take an interest in, in working with me or learning more about some of the ways I can help people. Um, and then if you have uh, a nonprofit or a cause that's on your heart, a movement that uh, a revolution that you're looking to bring to the world, uh, that's what we do it for purpose. So I would love to connect with anyone there. Um, and you can just send me an email for either of these, you know, the kind of the businesses are very fluid. Just, you know, send me an email to Brian at for purpose, F O R purpose.com. If uh, you're looking to make an impact and I'd love to see how I might be able to support you. Beautiful. Brian honor and a pleasure, brother. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate you. I appreciate all the good work that you do and I'll see you on the other side. You too, Dylan. Yeah. Much love. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the heroes of reality podcast. Are you interested in using disruptive technology like ChatGPT AI and virtual reality to help your business to generate more revenue and create greater impact? If so, go to heroesofreality.com to take the Heroes Quiz to unlock your potential as a purpose-driven entrepreneur. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you on the other side.